From ArchD Radio and Podcasting and Catholic Education SA, this is the Living Learning Leading Podcast. I'm your host, James Meston. Welcome to Episode 3. If you haven't yet had a chance to have a listen to Episodes 1 and 2, I've put a link to them in today's show notes. Episode 1 covers the thinking behind the creation of the Living Learning Leading Framework, and you'll hear from Director Neil McGoran and Assistant Director Monica Conway on that one. And then Episode 2 covers the implementation of the framework at the new Macaulay Community School, and some fantastic conversations with Principal Amanda Parslow and Deputy Marianne Loftus in that one. Be sure to check them both out, they're fantastic, and are both part of building what I'm hoping to do with the seven episodes in this year's series, as complete a picture as possible of what the Living Learning Leading Framework is, answering the questions that are most pressing about it, and being on the ground and documenting the framework in action in a variety of contexts around different schools in South Australia. Now, I'd like to open today's episode with some of a conversation I had with Annette McCard. She's a CESA education consultant who has been doing a great deal of work in the co-writing of resources and implementation with schools and students of the framework. We know the why is the thriving people capable and as leaders for the world God desires. And that's an awesome why. No question Mm -hmm. about that. We look at the actual capabilities and we see the what. This is the what. The, the always the most instrumental part of all of this, though, is the how. Like, how do you get the what to the why? Like, what's the bridge between the two? And one of those methods is this thing called the key capabilities continua. Like, if you were to start talking to someone right from the get-go about what the continua is, how would you explain it simply? I would explain it simply by saying that the continua is a resource, and primarily its users are for children and young people in our Catholic schools. And it's a resource that allows children to reflect on the capabilities and to plan for and to think about how to continually build those capabilities. So it is, done, it is in a phased approach. So it doesn't suggest that one needs to be at a certain point in a capability or an aspect of a capability because we are human beings and we bring life experiences to uh, everything that we do. So someone might find that they are quite um, nuanced and have a lot of strength in uh, one area of a capability but another area of the capability just due to life experiences or um, where they are in their life that that might be a capability they might want to explore more Mm. and build more capacity in. So the continua allows children to plot themselves in a phased approach so they're able to say in conjunction with teachers and other adults in their life this is how I think I am in this capability or this element of a capability, Um, but with other experiences, I think I can grow in this capability. Okay, so let's look at this one, the spiritually aware and inspired by faith capability. Okay, if we look at the very top line, it says there in bold, in spiritually aware, I am aware of the spiritual dimension of my life when... Okay, And then across the top, we've got five different uh, statements that essentially I'm thinking they apply to different levels. It's a hierarchy. So you go, noticing how I feel when being still and calm, e.g. climbing trees, being with others, slowing down and being still. Okay, The next one is reflecting on questions about the world and God. 
then contemplating significant moments in my life through turning into my inner world. So they're, they're getting more and more complex and more, not thoughtful, but I guess more advanced in this, along this continua, all the way through to the end saying, reflecting on the gift of life experiences in the interconnectedness of life. Okay, so if I was a teacher and I've been given this document, how do I then use this document as a resource to go, this is how my classroom practice and how my teaching practice needs to change in order to make best use of this? So I can answer that in terms of some of the learnings we've got from the trial schools. So we last year, some schools actually did the very thing that you're suggesting. They took some capabilities and asked the question, what does this mean in terms of planning um, opportunities that we provide for young people? So the first thing to remember is that the continua is a resource for students. But of course, if adults are going to be there to facilitate and help students with reflection and planning and evidencing, then the adults need to know about the capability continuum as well. What we learnt from the teachers in the trial was the main thing, the first thing is actually starting to understand what might that capability mean and unpacking that with young people in their care. So what does this capability mean? Then looking at, in terms of teaching and your programming, what opportunities are you giving children to build the capability, but also to be able to reflect on their capabilities? Person. The Continua has been something focused on particularly at Thomas More College. Jennifer. Rebecca. Hi. How are you going? Good, how are you? Good. I was just saying whether or not you remembered me, but I've got a feeling no, no, it was no, probably no, from pre-internet days even. <laughs> oh, it wasn't that long ago, but pre-this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. How are things? Nice. Good, good. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks very much for taking the time to hang out with me today. The same day I chatted with Annette, I drove up and visited Assistant Principal Learning and Teaching Rebecca Baker and Principal Corey Tavella at the school to talk about this and was reminded that school-wide planning is something that runs very independently of sector-wide framework implementations and those timelines don't necessarily meet up in the most opportune ways. We were towards the end of a two and a half year journey of establishing our school-wide pedagogy, our new vision for the school, um, which was had, you know, had that moment of every member of our community touching it, who wanted to touch it. So that um, journey of cross all staff, cross the students and as many parents who wanted to engage as possible. So we were to this point where we had a really strong language around who we were as a school now. Um, and where we were heading. Um, from that work, we established what we're calling our Thomas More Shape Graduate, which is our end product of, of our students um, at the end of their journey. So that, that sense of having a really shared, clear vision about the kind of young person that we were, were trying to, to grow and develop. Um, so when I first heard of the Living Learning Leading Framework, we were kind of at that point where we were like, oh, hang on, we've got all this, and then there's something else. Um, were you worried that it was going to not be able to work in conjunction alongside what you had just 
finished developing after that long consultation process? Well, that's the initial thought, you yeah. know, when you hear that something exists. Um, but in, in actually seeing it and how beautifully it aligns to, obviously our work was based in the general capabilities um, both from the Australian curriculum and the SACE. So um, it just works perfectly um, without anyway. We were already using the language about thriving as well. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it aligned really well. So um, for us, I guess it just brought another layer of depth um, and brought as well that spiritual layer that um, Australian curriculum capabilities don't have as yeah. well. So um, for us, it really brought the depth. Um, but for us, it was really important that we didn't shift focus and we didn't shift hack you know we had so much buy-in um, so much ownership of the work um, in terms of where we were heading so it was more about fitting um, those, those really strong principles and concepts of the live learn lead framework into the language that we we're already starting to use here so did you did you find that there was a lot of um, synergy between like you could see the same things coming oh, out yeah. what, what were the things the, the really common themes that you saw emerging in both it's I like to think of it as um, now, I know there's a lot of debate around the, the hidden and the implicit curriculum. I don't like using the term hidden curriculum because I think that's got those connotations of um, cultural, um, <laughs> you know, culturising students. But that implicit curriculum, that learning how to be a learner, um, learning how to function in, in the world, I think that's really at the heart of this framework. And it's, it's that thing that, you know, we say we deliver a holistic education but none of us could ever really name exactly what that meant you know so oh you know because we're, we're catholic we you know because we're this because we're that we deliver a holistic education at school sounds wonderful great selling point but we didn't really have a framework and we didn't really have words to name that um so to me that's the intention of this work mm -hmm. is to have that what was hidden or implicit or embedded in the way that we approach teaching to actually take it out and make it visible yeah. um, and make it something that we can have language around for students that they can connect with um, but also that rigour of the depth of concept yeah. as well. Corey, I'll ask you this question. It's something that I've actually just noticed only in the last few days, actually, in having conversations with people. I was at a school uh, end of last week and we were talking about something completely unrelated to all of this stuff. It was a completely different subject. It was about students who'd been like doing radio for five years. And in interview after interview with staff members, I found them referring to the language that was actually within the living learning leading framework to describe certain elements. And I don't believe it was done in a way that was particularly intentional. It was almost as if having the language around this stuff all of a sudden enabled people to talk about it in a way that felt really authentic to the the experience that their students were actually having in their Catholic school setting. I'd be curious to know for you working in education leadership as long as you have done, um, how powerful do you think it is that we choose the correct language in order to name these things from a system-wide point of view? Does language not only identify perhaps, but also create its own new version of outcomes to seek? 
I think language from a systemic point of view is really important because um, if we think about in the Salisbury cluster, we have two partner schools, Holy Family and St Augustine's, and we have Thomas More College. And while our work, um, uh, Beck talked about our previous work um, with our um, our own journey and how it's connected to the Live, Lead, Learn framework, it can't sit on itself by an island because, or like an island, because um, the students coming through from the primary schools need to be able to connect, and we need to be able to see the language they're using to describe their learning, their well-being and their spirituality. So the work that Beck and her team led us through to connect the work with the staff and students to and embed the work with the Live, Lead, Learn framework, I think it's important because it does give us that ownership as a system, as a school, um, but ultimately as students to describe their learning journey, their well-being journey and their spiritual journey. And probably I'll give you an out of Catholic ed experience, which has helped me realise it's important. Last year I was lucky enough to go to High Tech High, which um, I don't know if you're aware, yeah, um, uh, in uh, San Diego. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, And uh, it's one of the schools that um, has been able to take a different tact of learning. But I interviewed students from grade three to year 12 and every student I interviewed had language of learning, had uh, was able to name their learning, able to name their challenges and their strengths. And I heard some similarities across the board. So they had some, um, I suppose, some key marker points or cornerstones they were talking about. And what I heard was capabilities, competencies. So I think the fact that we have developed a Thomas More language of that, which is connected to the CESA language, is so important to uh, measuring the endpoint of the T-shaped graduate, which is our Thomas More shaped graduate, but also connecting them to the wider world of Catholic education. Talk to me through the processes that you went through with the team that you had about turning all of this stuff, all of these essentially flat documents into something that was actually alive and animated within your school community. How do you do that? I think it starts before the document. So okay. the the power of this work is, was the engagement in actually developing this work. So I think I mentioned before that it, you know every member of our community that wanted to touch this work touched it in its development. Um, so we partnered in the school pedagogy and vision journey. We partnered with the University of Southern Queensland um, doing the ideas project. Mm-hmm. That really took us on a journey back to the oldest member of staff to the newest member of staff and talking about their first day at the college. You know, really um, naming our values, naming our why naming why we were here um, and really engaging kids in that process as well. Um, And like I said, that was a two and a half year journey. So um, the product, the flat document, should only ever be a document that supports the thinking. It's the reference point. It's the artefact. The work is is engaging people in the process of development and then that flip side then into how we actually make it live because at the end of that journey it had that potential to be that end point of oh we've done our project we've got our vision we'll put it on the wall <laughs> it's done we'll put it in the prospectus we're all finished um, and I've just I've been in organizations where I've yes. witnessed that happen where so much work goes into exactly that idea of going we have our mission statement we're branding all of our stationery and our website with all that kind of stuff. Here's our new colour scheme. Aren't we great? Now let's just move on. Business as usual, the same as it's ever been. It doesn't ever get like embedded actually into the the the, the life and the ethos and the the why. The why is just so crucial. It absolutely is. Um, so 
people then had to understand, even though we, we owned it and, and we named it as a community, um, people under, had to understand how that affected their work or how they access their learning for students mm-hmm. and, and what it essentially meant for them. We were just talking a little bit before, Corey, about this idea. I really want to explore this work that you guys have done with the Continua, which was um, uh, been referred to as a tool or a resource yeah. that helps um, uh, facilitate the whole living learning leading framework and to be able to achieve the capabilities that are there. Now, you guys saw the Continua as it was presented and saw it not just as a standalone tool or resource, you saw it had, a, uh, there was flexibility in it that could be adapted to something that was specific for the Thomas More context. Can you talk a little bit about the process that you went through of discernment and then what you actually did to make that happen? Sure. So again, I feel like I'm speaking for Beck and on behalf of her team because well, she's here. <laughs> here with my back to the principal. It's, it's a really bad look. It's 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 a probably it's a really good sign of a well-functioning school that the principal can say that this work is happening, but I'm not necessarily a part of it. I mean, we're sitting around our table at the moment. We had our executive meeting an hour ago, and I know every one of our executive members is able to um, share in the work, build the work, and grow the work. So Beck really has shared, built, and grown a team not just a, a, an initial leadership team, but a team that um, understands where this work is coming from, where it's going. So I think we talked about it before, the idea that the continuer has key capabilities that through the vehicle of content, students can develop themselves in and then can identify the growth and ultimately students can name where that growth is. So for us, seeing the continuer as an example, how that language could be modeled, led us to go, well, let's have a look at the way the continuer is structured. We played a part, a key part, um, both through myself as part of Education Standing Committee and Beck in leading students and teachers as part of the consultation to see how that model could work. Now, given the language development of learner behaviours was already happening here, connect to the key capabilities, we saw a chance to take the similar process that had been worked through with the key capabilities continua and then really push home with our own learner behaviours, which again are embedded in the Live, Lead, Learn framework. So for us, it was about depthing the evidence of what um, a really good achievement would look like um, across the learner behaviours. So we talk about students being driven and disciplined. What does that look like? How can a student identify, I am being driven in this sense, I am being disciplined here, and how can they label where the improvement might come from? So ultimately it comes back to almost that high-tech high example that I gave of knowing what the success is, knowing how to name it, knowing how to evidence your own growth in that, and also what you still might be able to need to work on. Okay. So I'm cheeky okay. enough to interrupt the Fantastic. Um, I think one of the really key parts of this part of the process is that I had a group of around 12 um, students across year 10 to 12 who on very thin amount of information in a in an email signed up and says said yes 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 I want to be part of a student learner group um, now most of this work around depthing and and naming those learner behaviours and what they look like, the work around developing our continuer or or our rubric um, around that, most of that is actually been their work. And I think for us, that is what was really vital is rather than using an external um, continuer is being able to use that language of our students. Um, so talk me through what that process looked like. Like from yeah. first session, session one, they've put their hands up to do that. Yeah. They walk into the room, you show them what, you give them what and say, this is ultimately what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. 
So first one was just blind with the T-shaped graduate. What does this mean? What is that? What What do you actually have to do to be able to do this and kind of let the conversation go? Mm-hmm. Um, and watching them bounce off each other and th- that was a long process. Was just that that conversation of what What does this actually mean? But what does it look like? But where do you do this? And and that constant unpacking and going back and forth. Um, the next step, which was pretty exciting, was that they came and did that exact same process with our staff. So rather than me standing in front of the staff saying, this is our Thomas Moore shape graduate, tell me what it looks like. I know what you all think it looks like because that's how we came to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids went back to them and said, this is what we think it means for us. Um, what does it mean to you now? Um, so they did a presentation to the staff at a staff meeting and then they sat down and ran a group each. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and facilitated the teachers naming some of these behaviours um, and leading those conversations of what does it look like when you're doing it well? What does it look like when students are not doing it? And and asking the teachers those questions. Proud teacher moment? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. They are, they are, they're incredible. They're amazing. And then it was a real process of sifting and sorting and refining. So we use we use the group for that as well. Of um, all right, if I have to throw out one of these ideas, which one's going? You know, so yeah. really through that design and again, sorry, art teacher, but that design thinking process of you know um, really refining and prototyping what you're going to do, um, going out and testing it. Um, we had teachers trialling the ideas in certain classes and making sure those students were part of that class so they could, you know, do a self-assessment and really watch their peers and how they were engaging with it. And um, they have been continually part of that process. So all the way through to then launching this um, learner profile, which has been the most recent part of it, yeah. where, again, they've come in on their student-free days and spoken to our staff um, around their own journey and, and why it's so important to them to be able to show more than just um, their academic self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess if, if I was to sort of like jump to the end from a kind of like a, a, a conceptual point of view, essentially what you've, what you've done though is kind of done what the continual was supposed to do, which is essentially give student agency. Absolutely. You've you've given the students the ability to be able to help be a part of creating their own version mm. of what they believe those um, those markers in the continuum are. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and you know they're the ones who introduce it to the junior school. So the oh, sevens okay. and eights who who join instead of the teachers, you know, running a session on these are our learner behaviours and these are what they mean. Um, the kids who develop them are the ones who go into those wellbeing classes and. and, and is this a new thing like it does this is this a new way of of students working with students or students driving part of the process of capabilities and curriculum within the school i think so um we already had students doing that work in a different way you know we had our senior srcs going in and running well-being activities so that kind of concept was already established but in terms of using that kind of idea to develop the capabilities yeah that certainly becomes something new um and and it really is is that preferencing the student voice because it is about them (laughs) and like i said you know at the end of the day i'd love to not have to give them a report based on their learner behaviors because they'd already know it 
you know, yeah. they can name it, they do the report. This is where I am, we have a discussion, and which we do do, <laughs> so that's part of our process, but um, this is where I am and yeah, okay, yeah, I think you're spot on, that's great, let's talk about where to next. Have you found that um, it's had influence in areas outside of the conventional classroom area? I mean, you're already talking about it in a way it has. You've taken on, there's almost this new strata of student leadership in terms of talking to the junior school around these ideas, um, which is really embedded in an overall sort of like capabilities framework. I mean, that's that's different in itself other than engaging in just normal kind of like well-being and pastoral activities. That's a very different kind of thing. Have you seen it elsewhere within the school community in a place that you perhaps might not have expected? So with our 10, 11 and uh, 12s, we're doing something uh, different, but our 10s and 11s, we have a yearly set interview. So they do some reflection on themselves as a learner um, using the T-shaped pro forma, using the learner behaviours, wellbeing values. Um, They use that as part of their pathway planning. and they sit down with their wellbeing mentor and discuss um, themselves as a learner, where they're going, choosing their subjects. Um, But it really has that big picture step into what is next for me, especially with the seniors. Um, Part of that, especially for the year 10s, is tied to the PLP and and that conversation about um, future, about work, about that transition um, we still do I know it sounds a bit corny but the good old mock interview but it's incredible to see um, that shift in our young people when they have to present and sell themselves to someone who they've never met and I think in that surprising and non-surprising way kids are we're hearing that feedback of oh well that's where I use the learner behaviours is is in my mock interview application or in their actual jobs as well, coming back and going. Well, and you hit their saying that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went for a job at KFC and yeah, yeah I talked about um, what a good flexible thinker I was and, and that I can work under pressure and if there's lots of orders coming in, I can manage it by doing X, Y, Z. Um, so they're seeing that real connection of of what this means for them mm. as they, they graduate. Um, so probably the next stage of the work is we're working through what our, I think we're affectionately calling go at the at the moment, which is not get out, which was the first, <laughs> first suggestion, um, or our go process um, for our year 12s and what their exiting interview might be in putting together a portfolio of, at the end of their complete high school journey, what they can do mm. um, and preparing to go into that world and have to sell themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and the kids really, when you put it in that context, the seniors who the majority of them have been through at least one job interview or in that process of applying for jobs, they get that real concreteness of, yeah, I am going to have to go and talk about myself to someone who I've never met before. And this is providing them with a language and a scaffold to be able to do that. Big thanks to Annette, Corey and Rebecca for their contribution to this episode. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening right now to make sure you get new episodes as soon as they're released. The Living Learning Leading podcast is produced by me, James Meston, for HD Radio and Podcasting in partnership with Catholic Education SA. For full music credits for this episode, please check the show notes. If you enjoy this podcast, I think you'll also really like the School Life podcast, 
where we visit South Australian Catholic primary and secondary schools and explore the different aspects of school life from the student's point of view. I'll put a link to that in our show notes too. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in a few weeks with a new Living Learning Leading episode. Thank you.